Hello, and welcome to another episode of Marriage and Insight Rope. I'm Katie. And I'm Alan. And we're still married. <laughs> and we're switching up roles today. <laughs> today we have a fun little topic on connecting in your marriage after one of you has a faith crisis. But before we get started, Katie, I think that everyone is dying to know why are you abandoning me in an hour to go to Phoenix? Oh my gosh. Why do you keep telling people about all the places I'm leaving? It's very, it's a little bit embarrassing about how much I leave. My heart being broken at the moment <laughs> doesn't care about social norms and tact and not telling everyone where you are. <laughs> Clearly. So if you would like to come and tell Katie that she should not abandon me, our address is 63. <laughs> I will literally be gone for two days. So it's great. I and just, then I'll be back. I just love you so much. I just love you so much. All okay. right. Introduce this topic. I'll shut up. All right. So we wanted to talk about how we could strengthen the connection with each other. And for all of you who listen, how you can strengthen that connection with your spouse after a faith crisis. Alan and I are in a completely different space now than we were at the beginning. I think at the beginning we were very um, survival mode and everything we talked about revolved around the church, everything. And to some extent it still happens, but if you find yourself that you've been doing this for a while and your marriage is going pretty good. It's, you know, you've worked out some of the big bumps in that, in it, you can left, you can be left feeling like what, what do we have in common now? Yeah. Especially, especially at the beginning of your, if you're listening to this and we're just within the last couple of months, your spouse has, has come out and said, I don't believe anymore. Uh, you're actually Natasha Helfer in, in our workshop. She has a, a slide that she shares that is a pretty good analogy and um, it's flower based. And so I feel weird explaining it. You feel weird explaining it? No, I just don't want to butcher it. I think you do it better than I do. Well, I don't know about that. I think that Natasha talks about in this slide how when a lot of times our focus goes to the one thing that we don't have in common. So when everything is great and lovely and you're on the same page, you see a sea of yellow flowers and everything is going well and, and you're working together and then somebody changes their mind about something that you are on. Now you are on different pages. In this instance, it could be a faith crisis. And so out of those sea of yellow flowers, this pops up a red flower. And that's all you can see is red, quite literally, angry. <laughs> and also you see that you are that person is now so different than, than what they used to be. And it's important to recognize that there is a large spectrum of things that you connected on besides the church. Now, if you if that's not the case, that's something y'all can work out in therapy. But for the most part, you develop like likes and interests that are similar to one another. We could stretch that analogy out a little bit further by saying like we're not uh, you're, not, you're it's not necessarily the goal to pluck the red tulip or to dye it yellow. Um, there is something different, and and that red tulip in the middle of all the yellows can end up being something very beautiful. Uh, very traumatic at first, perhaps, but it can end up being something that is a strength to your garden, shall we, shall we say? <laughs> so ask yourselves, 
is the church the only thing that was binding the two of you together? And likely, of course, it was a big main factor. So where do you go from here? So I think that uh, we need to look at the stability of the relationship. Are you right now in a stable relationship? Aside from the faith transition, the working through all of that, do you have a stable marriage? If the answer is no, you're going to have to do some things like rebuild trust, right? If there is a lack of trust in the relationship, that's what you're going to have to work on that. Also, stability means uh, you're attempting to work through the tenders on equal footing. So you're both doing some give and take when it comes to finding your new normal. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who are in that space... Maybe some of this applies, but maybe maybe it doesn't. Alan and I are not in that space anymore. And true to form, we're just going to talk about where we are today. And I think that a lot of people are in the same space as us, where they've found their footing, they are working through the tenders, and they have reestablished trust in their relationship. And for those couples that, you know, when a faith crisis hits, sometimes that can be the straw that breaks the camel's back. If there is any type of abuse within the relationship, whether that be physical, sexual, mental, emotional, spiritual, verbal, all the different kinds of abuse. That could be the thing that just says, you know what? I've put up with a lot. This relationship has not been good (laughs) to start with. And now you're dumping this on top. We sometimes that can be the thing that makes you confront everything else. And then the relationship ends. And that absolutely is the case. When it comes to the church being the only, I had this thought when you were explaining that, when it comes to the church being like, is this the only thing that binds you together? May I make the argument that there are likely fewer couples uh, out there listening to this that were brought together by the church in a way <laughs> more forceful than Katie and myself, right? We, we served, we met on the mission, you had a blessing that called me out <laughs> in the blessing before you met me, that kind of stuff. Like the church absolutely played a critical role of us getting together. Um, so if we can overcome it, so can you. There is a really great Esther Perel quote that I'm going to say right now. Uh, it says, quote, most people are going to have two or three marriages or committed relationships in their adult life. Some of us will have them with the same person, close quote. So I I actually really love that because if you think of your relationship as a rebirth, you are being reborn into a new way of doing things. And if you think about this quote, and if this is something that you both want to work on, then you can have, it could be exciting to think that your marriage would look different now than it did then. And that can be scary because I think as women, we all want safety and security and, and all of those things. It's also exciting. It's also exciting to have conversations where we are exploring really how we feel about things and look at our own paradigm shifts in a different way. This concept of multiple marriages for me really helps shape that grief that people feel where when your spouse, I'll just say this, when Katie is upset and in her classic style, isn't really telling me why she's upset, (laughs) 
But when Katie is upset, silent treatment. Uh, this this does go to show some of the work that we have had to do in our relationship. But when she's upset, I my natural reaction is to think and and feel guilty of like, oh no, what did I do? What have I done? And it's not always me. Sometimes mm. it is. <laughs> But uh, we don't need to label a percentage to it, okay? But when it comes to the mixed faith marriage part of it, when we decided this is not going to end us, that did not end the grief. The grief continued. But framing it in this thought of Katie is mourning the end of our previous marriage. And we'll get to the exciting (laughs) framing of our new marriage here soon. But that made it feel less personal to me. To understand that she is absolutely in all of her rights. It's within her rights to, to, to grieve the ending of this last era. When you look at old pictures, you know, we've got our Google pictures tied up to our, our Chromecast and it scrolls through and you see pictures from 2012 and 2009 and that nostalgia hits you of like, oh man, those were the good old days. And sometimes a picture comes up and you go, oh man, that was not a good era for us. And I'm glad that that era is over. Yeah. I never understood when the old people would say, you'll have good years and bad years. And I thought that's a weird thing Full to say. Full years? Full years. And then I'm like, oh, I can po- I can pick out the exact years that were really bad years for us. 2009, <laughs> bad year. Oh, there's a few more in there. But, <laughs> but uh, you, yeah, Alan, you're right. I like that. I like what you said because it really is about reframing the way you want to move forward in the marriage. And again, if you do not have the stability in your marriage and you aren't ready for the next steps because you're not working through those tenders, this may feel like it doesn't apply to you. But I think that there's always something you can pull out of it. And so what I just want to ask you, yeah, what are the yellow tulips? What are those things that still bind us together? That we still want to keep in our new marriage. That's a, that's a great question. So that's a question that all of you should ask yourselves. Uh, what what are the things that you want to bring from your past selves? I was not asking you rhetorically. I want an answer. I will answer it. Okay, but, okay. But ahead. I think that this is <laughs> this is a good question for all of the audience to ask themselves: Is what have you always liked about your marriage? What do you want to bring into the new marriage? And so I think that you and I have always had a sense of adventure. We've always explored together as a couple, as a family. That is, I think, high on the priority list for us. And I don't want anyone to think that adventure means go hiking or explore in the wilderness because it doesn't for us. No. (laughs) Our version of going to Mexico is a four-star resort. (laughs) Not let's meet the locals. <laughs> okay, so, right. Okay, so talk about sense of adventure. We just got back from Cancun. We were there for a full week alone without kids. Yeah. Shout out to the Rosenhands who were there with us. That's we right. interviewed them. That's why I dropped their name because they've been on the podcast before. But we went out with them. Uh, it was, uh, this is, we found our sweet spot when it comes to our sense of adventure. We have, when we go out, the two of us, I think our mix is probably 75% relax and decompress, 25% explore and have experiences. Wouldn't, and wouldn't you agree? Are, usually we Not are have having... Not have experiences, but like, go do stuff. Right. We have... Right. We, we stagger it, right? So we have a full day 
somewhere doing crazy fun things. And then the next day we're laying by the pool and sipping on pina coladas. Right. Right. So there is a good balance there. Yeah, absolutely. So on this trip, this was, was perfect. The first day we sat down with the guest relations person and we planned a few excursions to go see Chichen Itza and go on a catamaran to go out to this island. And, and then we we're like, okay, we've got those few days planned. The rest of the time, we're going to hang by the pool. We're going to talk. We're going to drink pina coladas, some of which might we be went alcoholic. Golfing. We went golfing. We went that was super spa. fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Only gained four pounds each. That was a, that was a bonus. <laughs> oh, five for me. But okay, okay. Well, me too. I was. Uh, I, I am. Alan, I'm going to ask you the same question. What is also something that we really liked about our past selves that we have brought to the new relationship? Um, I I think that we have gotten better at it uh, over time, but I think that we've always been pretty good at communicating with each other, and that's something that has been important. As uh, that's obviously something that we don't want to strip out. But I think that that reminds me of a lot of the things that I've always loved about our relationship have only improved with the last few years with our new marriage, quote unquote, if you will. Right. So there are seasons of life, right? There are seasons where you're, you're these are going to be hard. It's going to be hard to talk about things and other times when it just seems super easy. Sure. And along those lines, Alan and I have always felt like dating was important. Yes. And then marriage. We, we have always, and our kids know it, that we put our our marriage above them. We absolutely <laughs> do. I mean, when the kids were little, we would seek out that one babysitter oh. that wasn't super social, so had an open weekend every no, weekend. No offense, Lana or Erica <laughs> or and, Amber. And we would, we would say, look, we will pay you really well to just... Who's that? Who's that girl? That, the one girl. That one girl that she's 13 right now, but the chances are when she's 16, she's still not going to have a lot of friends. So Stop she- it. <laughs> That's not it at all. I'm kidding. But from, a, from when the kids were young, we would trade babysitting when we were super poor. We would ask people to babysit, but we made that top priority. And now that our kids are older, it's not a huge deal. Like Alan and I will say, we're going to go get some dinner we'll be back in two hours or three hours and they call us six times while we're gone but that's okay yeah but it's it's gonna depend on the season that you're on you're in but that has always been that's a high priority for us and it's helped with everything else right the connection the communication all of that so really there there is a need for connection in your marriage and being vulnerable with each other Um, has extended to both family and friends. And Alan and I have found in this new marriage that we need, we need people that will love and support us where we're at. That's something that we probably didn't need before. We didn't because we had the church to fall back on. Right. When, when things are, are rocking, when the boat's rocking and you're just trying not to fall out of the boat, uh, maybe that's a big boat. I don't need to get into too big of analogies, but maybe it's a big boat and there's other people on it that you don't even know about. And all you want to do is find those people. And at first it's talking to them about how crazy this boat ride is. But then as the seas calm a little bit, you're still on that boat with them. And now, you know, we have friends that our very first dinner with mixed faith couples, two couples back three years ago, 
like we are still very close friends with those two couples and we hardly ever talk about mixed faith marriage or the church. We're just friends, but there's that, there's that level of connection with them that has, has really, really helped. So like when you look at who our closest friends are, who are they? Are they mixed faith couples? Yeah, all of them. They are. Or at least they were when we met them. And to be fair, we have a few who are not mixed faith. I have a few very, very close friends who are fully active in. But the difference is that they 100% accept where we are. They are supportive of us. And they'll let us say all the things that we're struggling with. That makes a difference. We have completely shed any superficial relationships we've had with other friends, family, couples. And in a way that can feel, you feel like you have to mourn over those relationships. Mm -hmm. That that can be really hard that once you were really close and now you're not. But really it's been so enriching to have people who have been, have been there, who get us. Right. And, and that has just, amplified and brought us closer together because now we have people to to connect with now i think we should recognize our privilege totally 100 percent. i mean we have a megaphone li- almost literally right here with the podcast saying hey if you're mixed faith <laughs> let's be friends so it can be harder to find people so if you're listening to this and you're not in utah for example and it's harder to find people we get it join the facebook group look at that map See if there's people close to you. Um, create di- a virtual relationships if you can't be physical in person. Also, create your own meetups. We yeah. just had a moderator who created a meetup. And luckily, our schedule allowed us to be there. And we just showed up. And there were 12 couples there. And it was so nice to sit and meet people, connect. Other people could connect with each other. Some of them knew each other from Marco Polo groups. Mm-hmm. And that was actually super great because that's what that's what all of us are yearning for is some connection and some understanding absolutely so if you're introverted you know put yourself out there or show up at one of these events where we we meet up and talk to each other another thing that alan and i have really tried to do is to bring awe and wonder back to our marriage awe and wonder (laughs) what does that mean (laughs) What does awe and wonder mean? So being curious, that's how I, def- how, that's how I think of it. Um, I want to be curious about what drives you. I want to be curious about what excites you. I want to be curious about what turns you on. I want to be curious. I want to be curious about uh, everything. And I think that that was in the course that we've done with Natasha she has that as one of her questions in the in one of the worksheets that we do. Mm-hmm. Of like, how how curious are you? How intellectually stimulating do you find your spouse? And like, that's something that that I find awe and wonder is just getting to know who you are at a much deeper level. Especially because in a mixed faith marriage, oftentimes both people are changing, and the direction isn't important, but it's trying to stay connected to that changing individual as you yourself are changing is, is exciting and it's interesting. And I think that if the marriage isn't at risk, which is the case that we're in, it can be a lot less threatening to explore that person. 
So I don't feel as much anxiety or any really when you ask me questions about like, well, what do you think about Christ resurrecting? Or um, can we talk about pornography use? Like those questions would freak me out six, seven years ago. Uh, well, the Christ question, it wouldn't have been a question, but now it's, we've worked through this, this uh, period. I know where your questions are coming from. I don't take them as a threat. If that makes sense. Right. They are not so emotionally charged as they want, they once were. And really, I feel like the quality of stimulating conversations we have had has just increased tenfold. Mm-hmm. And it the hot, is the hot tub helps. on my <laughs> hot tub does help. <laughs> not in the summer. Uh, sure. I have asked many times Alan questions when we were when we're lying on the beach, when we're in the car, and I'll just say, "Hey, I read an article about X, Y, or Z." What do you think about that? Because Alan is all seeing it from a different lens as well. Our our relationship is intact. We have mutual understanding and respect. We are not emotionally charged. So we could just talk about this in a very nonchalant, matter-of-fact way. That doesn't mean it always ends well. <laughs> but it is great to have deeper intellectual conversations. Yeah. Can I compliment you on something? Okay. Okay. <laughs> As she flutters her hand. Okay, sir. So you just did that, not no, me. I know. <laughs> There's no proof. It's not a visual podcast. <laughs> so I've I've noticed um, how your questions have changed, or at least how you present them, how they've changed over the last few years. I felt like for a while, and it, I mean this can still happen. It's not a black or white thing. But I felt for a while that many times your questions that were directed at what I believe sometimes were, they felt like a trap to point out my skepticism. Totally. And I mean, I can't remember, I can't count how many times that question or that you would ask a question, I would answer it and you would respond to be like, it's really cynical or, (laughs) or why do you always have to be so skeptical or, Something along those lines. Yeah, and now, I did like, that a lot in the beginning. And now you're you're asking a lot of the same questions, whether it's a you know very high risk pregnancy, everyone lives types of situation. And you'll ask me like, "What do you think about that?" And it and I'll answer. And I, to be fair, I'll probably answer a lot better than I did. <laughs> you absolutely do. You are more tactful. But it doesn't feel like a trap. And we'll have that conversation of you go, "Okay, interesting." And then and you'll say like, "Well, I I still believe that." that X, Y, Z. And I'll be like, okay, well, that's good. And it doesn't just feel like a threat anymore. And so I just, I thank you for asking questions in ways that make me feel like you are curious about what I feel and believe. And you're not necessarily wanting to point out the flaws or how I shouldn't be skeptical or whatever the, the phrase you want. I may be thinking it. I just don't say it out loud. No, I get a little. (laughs) Thanks for saying that. I feel like I have gotten better with asking questions that aren't hurtful. And you have done a great job at re- responding in a respectful way using for me statements. For well, me, this is what how I feel about it. I think that's the only way that the communication improves. Right. Is so you has to be two ways. Remember, remember to use the for me statements for both of you. For me, you're <laughs> way too skeptical, Alan. That's <laughs> So what happens when a spouse doesn't fulfill every need? Is it important for me, Alan, to be your gaming buddy, 
to talk Bitcoin with you, to watch baseball videos, <laughs> to share TikToks. Well, well yes, yes, we we do want to share. We draw the line at not sharing TikToks. We that do. would end the marriage if we <laughs> if we didn't do that. Now, this is a really really good point, and you remember, of course, you do. The very very beginning of our marriage, when we got married, I was obsessed with World of Warcraft, and I wanted you to play World of Warcraft so bad. Can you imagine how amazing it would be if we played World of Warcraft together? And I think you, you went, one time you created a character for me, and I think I spent less than five minutes it, on it. Yeah, before. you got to level two, which literally takes about 30 seconds. But I hated it. And for a while, like that was, I think we tried and tried and tried to find a video game that, that really helped us connect or whatever. But the, the, the reality that, that had to dawn on us is this is just not something that you're going to fill my needs on. I love, I still enjoy video games, but I don't ask you to play with me anymore. And that's okay. Now it's also not something that I do eight hours a day. It's something I do eight hours a month. (laughs) So it's, it's a little bit different now, but I think that's a very common misconception is that your spouse has to fill every single need. And that has been, that concept has really helped our marriage because if you just need to one evening go walking with a friend, that's not a threat to me anymore. That's not like a, oh, shouldn't she want to be with me right now? Shouldn't, shouldn't we be going on a walk together? Sometimes you just need something else. You just need something different. So if we see ourselves as individuals living in a marriage, right, with both we have needs and wants of our own, I know that we feel like we belong to each other and we need to fulfill all of those things. If we look at it as a, we have things that we like to do, interests we like to do apart from our spouse, there's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, those should be filled by other groups or people. And Alan's totally right. He has done a great job just letting me go for walks or he goes along with me planning ridiculous trips and vacations <laughs> and I I get them all planned out and he just goes along, goes with the flow. The and pendulum the pendulum needs to swing back in your favor. And that's something that we've recognized. And I think it's gotten better with that. It has I, when you're young and you're first married and you want to do everything with that spouse there can be a lot of resentment, especially, and we're not going to get into a lot of this because if you follow Dr. Julie Hanks, she is a huge advocate for uh, both spouses, really, in the in the marriage where one may take on more work than the other person. And then, you know, say, Alan, I'm home with the babies all day and he comes home and he says, peace out. I'm going bowling to, with my friends. Right. And there is, I mean, there is some level there, right, of give and take. But what you don't want to have happen is have resentment built to the other spouse for doing things that you cannot fulfill or you don't want to fulfill, right? I don't always want to watch baseball games with Alan, but guess what? My boys do. And guess what? He has friends that that can do that. And within the church itself... I've talked about this before, but Alan needs outlets to talk to other people who feel the same as him. And so that's why he joins Facebook groups that are ex-Mormon subreddits and 
Facebook groups and Marco Polo's because he needs people to express express those emotions and feelings too. I'm bringing up this example because this is where we're at, but that's less and less a thing. Yeah, I mean that that you bringing up that example, I feel like that's more for those that are listening that maybe struggle to understand why or they they're they're worried that their spouse needs ex-Mormon subreddits or uh, Facebook groups because honestly I don't really I don't go onto those groups anymore. I TikTok has replaced Reddit altogether, not just church-wise. <laughs> it's just replaced Reddit. And then I just I'm not in those Facebook groups anymore. So I don't I don't know. It's just a, not a need for me, but there it certainly is uh for somebody else. But hopefully over time you'll see that your spouse doesn't need that anymore because they've kind of healed from a lot of the trauma that that comes with a crisis of faith. And you know, at times it's not going to feel fair. I mean, yeah. at times, at times, Alan has had a lot of extracurricular things happening, and I feel like I have nothing going on. And then other times, I'm going to Disney World, and then I'm going to Cancun, and then I'm going to Phoenix. So <laughs> it, it's going to ebb and flow in your marriage. But the important thing is, is when you find something that you are passionate about, you would go to your spouse and say, this is how I want to be supported in this thing that you are not really interested about, which don't take it personally. And I'm not going to take it personally. And I'm going to find a group that will support me. And you're going to be awesome in supporting me when you watch the kids or you be at my competition, whatever it might be. Yeah. And that's how you can support one another. Love it. We, this was a great episode. If you find yourself all of you who are listening, if you find yourself in this space where you're trying to figure out how can I connect with my spouse, ask yourself some of the same questions that Alan and I did. What do you love about your marriage? What did you love about what what you've always been doing? And how can you adapt it to your new marriage and move forward in a way that honors both of you, but also creates connection? If you would like to reach out, we would recommend you do so through email, marriageonatightrope at gmail.com. We want to apologize, but not really. I mean, hopefully everyone understands that we were out of the country for a week, kind of push pause on mixed faith marriage talk. And before that, the previous episode was about Katie's experience in in um, Kansas. And so we just needed a break. So we recognize we have a lot of unanswered emails at the moment, but we do commit. We are getting get back to everybody. So please, we're not ignoring you. If you're listening to this, you're like, they didn't get back to us. We will. But you can uh, join our Facebook group as well, where other people respond much quicker than we do. <laughs> right. The Facebook group is a, such a great tool because you're not just getting Alan and I's experience, but you're getting a whole community worth of advice and experience. And that is magic. When you're in the Facebook group, go to the pinned announcements and look at all of them because one of them has links to all the different Marco Polo groups. There are a number of different Marco Polo groups for... (laughs) It keeps growing too. It does keep growing. So if you need more of that one-on-one personal small group connection, do it. Last thing I want to say is in our group, we really try to vet people out who are in truly in a mixed faith marriage. I know there are people that want to join our group that are siblings or parents that want to try to understand mixed faith marriage, but our 
particular Facebook group is really not for that. It's for couples who are currently in this space. And it's not just LDS couples. It's couples across the spectrum, um, religious-wise. And I think that we just trust that people have the best intentions when they're on Facebook, when they're looking at our stuff. But I also want to say that I'm sure that there are people that do not have good intentions that join the group under false pretenses. And so just be mindful of that when you're talking or responding. We would never want anything to be hurtful. Come back to the person um, on Facebook, you know, if someone was spying on them as a sibling or something, and we just wouldn't, we we don't want that. We have created a community where we feel that mostly everyone's been very vulnerable and honest, and we'd like to keep it that way. Something that goes along with that as we end is when you're sharing your mixed faith story in a public forum, like our Facebook group or Instagram or whatever it may be, uh, whether it's private or public, so it can be the Marco Polo group too, try to not uh, tell your, the spouse's, your spouse's story if they don't want you to. Um, that can cause conflict if you're telling people about their personal journey that they're just not wanting you to talk about. That can be, that's a tender that you have to negotiate of, I need to talk about this with people. What are you comfortable with me talking about, uh, et cetera. So again, Public forums are tricky. Uh, Best of luck with them. We certainly have had to navigate that as well. But we will see you on the next episode, which is going to be in about a week. Yep. We're going to get back to a more regular schedule. Is that a promise? It's a promise. (gasps) She promised. We're going to see that it was better that we grew up together. Tell me you don't want to leave. Cause if change is what you need You can change right next to me When you're high, I'll take the lows You can ebb and I can flow We'll take it slow And grow as we go Grow as we go